Hey there, I'm Judy Kroon. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper Shelf Help with a Smile. And uh, today is Monday. That means it's time for just another Mindful Monday. On the phone with me is Dr. Richard Amaral. Richard is a registered psychologist in private practice with offices in Markham and Whitby. He provides um, psychological services in person and online to adolescents, adults, and families. Richard has recently almost completed his first book on a life strategy wheel that is very much in compliance with the Indigenous Medicine Wheel philosophy, which right now is also noteworthy and relevant to raise awareness. Richard did his residency in an Indigenous community for four years near Calgary. The book is called The Promise Wheel, Psychology for Growth and a Balanced Life. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Judy. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very excited to uh, to talk about your your endeavor, your latest book, The Promise Wheel. For folks who have never heard of a Promise Wheel, can you uh, can you describe it to us? Sure. Yeah, I guess probably um, one of the first things is you know you made reference to the indigenous uh, the medicine wheel, and so basically the medicine wheel. So just think of a circular model with four quadrants uh, in the indigenous model uh, they have um, the body which is physical the mind which is also known as mental and they speak about the heart which is emotional and spiritual is the last one so uh, body mind spirit physical mental emotional and spiritual and so that was one of the model that's what i learned when i was first working in a first nations community uh, out in calgary alberta Um, but before working there um, just to backtrack and sort of give you some background on what inspired me to pursue uh, that and read more about it is um, when I was doing my master's degree in addiction psychology uh, one of our professors introduced us to what they call the integrative model for doing for assessing someone Uh, and now the integrative model actually comes from uh, medical schools and what it, and, and the guy who first created it was Dr. Engels back in the 70s. And what he basically said, that is, when someone comes into your office, you don't just want to assess what's happening in their bodies. You want to also address what's happening in their minds, what's happening in their life, what's happening in their world. So he created what they call the integrative model, the biopsychosocial model for treating people. So it's very holistic. So you're looking at biology, the psychology, their mind, and, and the relationships. And I remember when I first heard about that, I said, oh, this is great because it, it's so holistic in, when doing counseling and, and psychotherapy. Uh, is to look at the person as to what's happening in, their, in themselves and their whole world. And, uh, and then a few years later, I started working in this First Nations community and uh, and as I got to meet the people, you know, on a more personal level, and they shared with me um, their knowledge, um, they taught me about this medicine wheel. And I was, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I learned in school. Except the only thing is that in the indigenous medicine wheel, that's been taught thousands of years ago. It was, it was like sort of the first model of balance that was taught, you know, um, many, many years ago. 
and so um, that came first. And so as I put the two together, and then as I you know, start to pursue more of my studies in psychology, I realized, well, there's probably some other areas here that I could like fill in and add to it. And these other areas that I added came up with the acronym called PROMISE, P-R-O-M-I-S-E. And that's sort of the, the genesis of this uh, wheel. It combines the integrative model and the First Nations uh, medicine wheel. So the acronym PROMISE, tell us again mm. what each letter yeah. stands for. Sure. So each letter uh, in the PROMISE wheel. So I want you to think of um, a bicycle wheel. And, and I'll, I'll explain to you why thinking of a bicycle wheel actually has uh, is a really good analogy. So, but first is, so the P stands for physical. So this is where you pay attention to your physical health, diet, sleep, uh, nutrition. Then R in the promise wheel stands for relationships. So when you're looking at your relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers, anyone who sort of uh, matters to you in your life, um, in your community as well. The O stands for occupation. M stands for mind. And when I talk about mind in the promise wheel, there's like two subcategories. One has to do with you know, balancing your thinking, balancing your, I guess, your mental health. But also, secondly, is um, keeping your mind stimulated. Because I find that's so important to a, a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Is always being curious and always learning. So that's the M. I stands for interests and hobbies. And then the S stands for spiritual, being self of your spiritual world, your spiritual life. Um, and in the center of the bicycle wheel, you know, when you think of a bicycle wheel, you got spokes in the center, you have the hub. So in my promise wheel, in the hub, I put the E, which stands for emotions. And the reason why I put emotions at the center is because I believe, and, and based on you know, my practice, is uh, things I've noticed in my clients, is that whenever we are living a balanced life, our emotions uh, are very positive and pleasant. You know, we tend to feel good about ourselves. We tend to feel good about life. We feel good about each other, feel good about the future. And so I basically, the emotions are a product of addressing the P-R-O-M-I-S. And when you are in balance and addressing those six areas uh, sufficiently, then the E, the hub of your wheel, the emotions will be full of like pleasant, comfortable positive emotions so that's um yeah and then um oh yeah now let me also talk about why i thought of the bicycle wheel so one of my hobbies one of my interests and in hobbies when i was a teenager was i used to do a lot of cycling and of course get into races i didn't do very well and crashed the bike a couple of times and whenever i would take it to the bike repair shop i was always curious to see how would they fix a warped wheel so how would they fix a wheel that's out of balance? And so what they do is they put the wheel, and this sort of looks like your bicycle forks. So just think of that, and you put the wheel on it. And then what they'll do is they will slowly spin the wheel and they'll look for where the warp is. And where they find the warp, what they'll do is they get this little tool and they will like tighten the spoke. 
and then loosen the next one, the one next to it. So there's this process of constantly tightening and loosening, tightening and loosening. And eventually, if you just, you know, give the right kind of adjustment, the warp seems to go away and the wheel is what they call true. The wheel is in balance. So this process of tightening and loosening, I thought was a really good analogy to what it's like sometimes to living a more balanced life, which is that there are some areas of our life that we need to pay more attention to. In other words, we need to tighten it up. And there's other areas of our life that we just give so much attention to, and we need to dial it back and therefore need to loosen it. So it's almost like tightening and loosening, like, you know, aligning a bicycle wheel. And I think that when you find the right level of tension and your wheel is adjusted, then I think that's when you feel imbalanced. Well, I know it's a huge generalization, but for most of your, for most of your clients, typically where is the warp in their wheel or where is, uh, where is the spoke tightened just too much? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you bring that question up now because I would have uh, probably before the pandemic probably might have answered it a little differently and I'll tell you why in a bit but I would say that right now um, for when most people come in and life is out of balance I find it they put a lot of attention on the occupation you know work just really consumes us um, and there's a variety of reasons, but um, but I find that whenever someone comes in and they they say, ah, I'm just feeling so stressed, so overwhelmed, you know, I'll always ask in that first session, what do you do for a living? What are your hours like? And if I don't ask it in the first session, I usually start to notice this, usually start to notice in our work together that sometimes the work part of their life takes up like just so much of their time now statistically you could see why so here's what i mean so there's 24 hours in a day seven days a week that means um, 168 hours in a week so if you have a regular 40 hour a week job um, you're probably commuting, you know, plus or minus 10 hours. And then sometimes when you're finished work, sort of quote unquote finished work, maybe you're still thinking about it. So now your job that was initially maybe 40 hours is now taking up 55, close to 60 hours. So, you know, well more than a third of your week. So, um, so a lot of us, I think a lot of people when they're out of balance, those 60 hours just really occupies so much of their time and what they what i end up talking about to them is like how can they cut just not so much cut it back a bit but how can they incorporate other parts of the wheel into their life so that these other areas aren't so neglected and quote unquote loose using the the, the bicycle wheel analogy um and that sort of is a process that we sort of need to trial and error, you know, try things out, see what works, see what doesn't. But ultimately, whenever um, I'm finding that a lot of people just are really struggling with the occupation portion, that it just takes up so much of their time. 
What is your superpower? What is one of your <laughs> strategies that you have found the most successful? Um, let's talk about the majority of people that you're dealing with. Let's say it's occupation. What is the one thing that, what is the one takeaway someone mm. listening right now, if they want to get the, uh, the warp out of their, out of their mm -hmm. wheel, what is a strategy they can use to, um, get back on the road? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So when I like the way you did that, Judy, the, on the road, like a bicycle, uh, <laughs> that was good. So, um, so one of the interventions I use, you know, cognitive behavior therapy. So, which is essentially, you know, talks about if you want to change how you think, then you need to, sorry, if you want to change how you feel, then you need to change how you think, or you need to change how you behave. When it comes to, you know, um, managing and get the, the warpness in that occupation i find a big a, a good strategy is from the is from the cognitive cognitive piece from the thinking is to realize and to tell yourself that there is so much more to my life than just my work i think that's an important cog you know important message an important cognitive reframe that we sort of need to uh, remind ourselves regularly. Um, I think it might be a cultural thing, you know, here in Western culture, we put a lot of emphasis, you know, on our work. You know, we sometimes define who we are by what we do professionally. So, um, you know, and that in itself, are, you know, ref is a reflection of, of how we think, how we see ourselves. So I think from a co cognitively speaking, reminding yourself that there's more to your life than just your job from a behavior perspective. So what is it that I can do? I think um, there's two big things. Well, number one is that it's a not a lot easier said than done, but I think sometimes we need to put some really good boundaries about when my work starts and when it should end. Because I, I think, you know, with, you know, with um, with just our devices, you know, we walk around with our cell phones, you know, or mini computers. <laughs> it's probably more accurate with ourselves. Yeah. So it's very easy to access work, to find out what's someone working on. What should I be working on? What I might, what should I work on tomorrow? And, and so forth. That I think it means that we rarely shut our minds off from work. So that's part A of the behavior is putting, you know, um, good boundaries about when work starts and when it ends. And I think the second piece has to do, again, with the behaviors, is really making an effort to, to do more things that rejuvenate us, to do more things that rejuvenate you. Like what fills your cup? What gives you pleasure? What brings, you know, happiness to you? And to do those activities outside of work. So realizing, number one, mentally, work is more, my life is more than just work. And, and then put in some boundaries and, and getting involved in some activities outside of work. What are some of those activities that people have uh, leaned on? Well, I, for one is like... You know the physical activity you know and and i i use that word 
that phrase intentionally, you know, physical activity rather than exercise. Because I think when we say exercise, you know, <laughs> we think of those gym memberships, or I got to get right. myself a personal trainer, mm -hmm. or I need to schedule and, you yeah. know, my run at this day and this and that. But the bottom line is like, you know, just any kind of movement that even creates a little bit of sweat, whether it's gardening, whether, you know, walking, walking, walking uh, you know, going up down the stairs, parking your car a little further from the grocery store mm -hmm. so you can, you know, but just these little things of physical activity does wonders to, you know, produce more of these what they call neurotransmitters or these natural chemicals, the dopamine and serotonin that actually we know are responsible for mood. So if we can do activities that increase the heart rate and therefore make us produce more of those chemicals, then that will change how we feel. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the activities. And then the other thing and do my research for my, for my book um, was just finding a hobby has nothing to do with your job right you know yeah just Good having point. a hobby that has nothing to do with your yep, job for sure you know so if you are geez i don't know you're you're working playing in front the of the piano a, let's say playing, playing the, the piano. piano exactly doing some crocheting going fishing mm -hmm. um things like that but there was a lot of good research i came across i came across this one particular study it was out of the uk and what they done is they just taken a sample of physicians family physicians and what they found was that and they looked at you know what what how satisfied are they with their work and what this research found was that individuals the physicians who had hobbies that had nothing to do with medicine nothing to do with their practice that those people actually enjoyed their jobs more they enjoyed their profession more than the physicians who didn't have a hobby mm. so yeah so i think hobbies do wonders for not only giving us a distraction from work but actually rejuvenating us so that we feel more energized to go back to work fantastic if you want to find out more about dr amaral or his book the promise wheel psychology for growth and a balanced life you can find out more about dr amaral and his online work by visiting his website psychologyforgrowth.com uh dr amaral thank you so much i'm gonna hold on to you for a second because uh, i'm gonna get a little bit more information from you but folks again if you would like to reach out to dr amaral his website is psychologyforgrowth.com and if you'd like to catch up on any of our uh just another mindful monday episodes you can uh you can check me out at judy croon on spotify and or soundcloud or you can go to my website judycroon.com uh, Dr. Richard, thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. Okay, folks, until next time, laugh long and prosper.